Hello and welcome to Bit Party, a show where we take minor details from popular movies and use them to create ideas for new movies that we then sell to Hollywood for $4 million. This week, we leave our lavish life in Zamunda to find love in Queens, New York. This is Coming to America. listening to bit party my name is brendan cotta my name is jared cotta oh uh my name is james james uh lorenzo yeah james lorenzo welcome how did you get into this apartment <laughs> uh, fuck <laughs> i'm kidding and what have you done with marshall <laughs> what what did you do with our brother i'm joking we invited you and uh you know we are friends from Run Club, the same way that we recruit all of our guests on this podcast. <laughs> we run together. Um, there's a lot more about you that we'll get into in just a second, but first of all, welcome. All welcome right. to Bit Party. You've expressed that you are a fan of this podcast, and we yes. felt like your movie knowledge should be put to the test today. Yes, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, big fan of uh, Bit Party. I'm glad I didn't uh, add the CH because it almost did on the end of bits. Bitch party. Bitch yeah, party. I almost said it. But <laughs> Common like, mistake. Because I got a little nervous. Uh, but, That's uh, our brother's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the one that quit the show. Yeah, no, man. Uh, I'm excited, man. I, I love you guys' takes on movies and the way you guys have taken a, a piece of movie like knowledge and made into this fun idea of pitching movies and stuff like that. So I'm excited, man. We appreciate you yeah. hyping us up like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is this your first podcast? You can't tell by how close I am to the mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please back away. From <laughs> yeah, the mic. I have. I was taking everything in me not to get really close to this microphone. It's like so tempting. It can hear you. Yeah, don't worry. Right, cool. It was that's what it's there for. Right. Yeah, but uh, first podcast, first first pod. Other than the podcast, I record in my closet with my mic. And that's not a joke. <laughs> you yet, record your own podcast? I've yet to release it. It's on a one, uh, what's the one mic, the four-track recorder. Okay. Interesting. I have like hours of tapes of me just talking in the closet. That's amazing. Man, give it to me. I'll do some editing. Yeah. James, let me ask you something. So I know a little bit of trivia about you, but the audience doesn't. You played college football at Penn State. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I played... Uh, uh, before I give out this information, I do not know Jerry Sandusky at all. All right? That's okay. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Disclaimer. All right, cool. All right, cool. Okay. Now we get that clear. The FBI is listening. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, I played ball at Penn State, uh, full scholarship, uh, spent most of my time on the bench. Uh, but I got a free education. Uh, I got kicked out my redshirt senior year for a DUI, which was my third strike. Uh, but, you know, ended up in uh, this school in West Virginia called Glenville State. Okay. Uh, their claim to fame is Channing Tatum went there for a semester. Nice. Uh, ironically, <laughs> was there any overlap? No. Ironically, he also moved to Florida afterwards. So that's what Glenville State does to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Gets you addicted to bath salts. <laughs> yeah. So, I did not know that they had like an opium problem, opium no, really? problem there. And so I had just got my wisdom teeth pulled uh, at Penn State. And so I had these Vicodin. And I was like, oh, you know. I don't really need them. The guy was like, oh, can I take one? He was like, can I buy some? I was like, why would you buy them? But then, like, a couple months later, I was like, yeah, opiate addiction, like, strikes West Virginia. I was like, I was a drug dealer. <laughs> wow. What a colorful college career you had. That, yeah. was, a, that was the first million dollars yeah, you made. You yeah, Just for, filling your Vicodin prescription. For a lawyer. <laughs> Let me ask you a little bit about your modeling career now. How's that going? That's a weird segue. <laughs> your How's that drug... work with your drug dealing? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. That's uh, not my best. That's not my best transition. But I don't know really where to go. You, our next conversation is either going to be about you running a thousand miles in 2018 or yeah. you modeling. So, so you and Jay Z have a lot in common. You guys used to sell drugs, and now you're in entertainment. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I've been uh, modeling since 2014. I originally signed with Wilhelmina. Uh, now I'm signed with Next Models. Nice, um, nice. Get to travel the world. Get to go to all these cool countries. Get to see these cool people. 
And uh, it's pretty cool when your kids get to see what you do, and they're pretty proud of what you do. And That's awesome. But it also sucks because they get jaded. Because, you know, like, to see someone in a magazine or TV, you're like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. But my son sees me on TV, and, like, he doesn't pay any attention. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, why don't you just be like a, why don't you work at, like, Wells Fargo and, like, be a banker? I'm just like, <laughs> like, I'm on TV with, like, Dwayne Wade. Like, do you care? He's like, um, no, not really. He doesn't want you to be a model? He doesn't care. That I'm a model, <laughs> which is worse. Like, like, like it's not. A, he has no opinion. Yeah, he has no. He's like, yeah, like it's cool. <laughs> you ran a thousand miles in 2018. Yeah. What has happened to your body since then? I ran. I ran 1150. Oh, uh, that's amazing. But um, uh, my body said, uh, "Fuck you." And, uh, <laughs> now I have plantar fasciitis. Um. <laughs> But I don't think that was from the 1,000 miles. I think it's because I switched up my shoes earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was a great experience. Um, around mile 700, uh, I had a buddy in New York who took notice. Wow. And uh, he offered me an opportunity to run in the New York City Marathon, which was uh, a great experience. My, my family was there. My son got to see me cross. One of my, my oldest son. Uh-huh. Kaleo, I love you. I just forget that you're here a lot of times. Yeah, that's my that's my baby boy. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I got a son, sons, sons. But yeah, but uh, my oldest son got to see me cross the finish line, and uh, you know that was very emotional. Yeah, yeah I bet. Way to way to way to cap that uh, that thousand mile mark I had, and I end up uh, finishing the year with about one thousand one hundred fifty. That's awesome. That is a really interesting summary of your life, right there. And before we get into the summary of the movie, we need to introduce it. Okay. So, James, you picked this movie. Yeah. Will you introduce it for the audience now? All right. First off, this is one of the safer choices that I picked. I went really black, and I picked <laughs> New Jack City, but then I was like, that's too black. Let's just go Coming to America. So, Coming to America, um, <clears throat> it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's one of those movies that, like... When someone asked me 15 years ago, oh, what's your favorite movie? I was like, Coming to America. Nice. But do you know how that changes over time? And like 15 years later, you go see the movie and you're just like, oh, it's, it's kind of trash. But <laughs> it's not, it hasn't lost its, its uh, effect on me. That's great. Um, it came out, I think, in 1988. I was born mm-hmm. in 87. So I didn't see it when I was one. And if I did, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. So I think I picked it up maybe somewhere when I was like 10, 11 years old. Okay. And I just remember not really understanding the complexities of the jokes and like uh-huh. the innuendos and like all the great actors and like the impact of Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. Mm-hmm. But I just remember like just dying laughing, laughing as hard as I did when I watched Home Alone 2 or whatever else movie was, was funny to me at the time. And I just really had an uh, impact on me uh, just culturally. That is awesome. Yeah, coming yeah. to America. This was great my choice. This I think was a great choice, and this mm-hmm. is my first time seeing it. But I think it, it's an amazing film, and I'm really glad that you wanted to uh, to to watch it mm-hmm. and uh, come on Bit Party. But before we get into talking more about coming to America, I want to know what else you're watching. A lot of people love this segment where we go over and suggest some new things to watch. Porn. <laughs> there you, you go. You heard it here first. Lots of porn. No, <laughs> sponsored by Pornhub now. No, uh, right now I'm watching uh, Oh Handmaid's Tale. I really like that show. It's kind of creepy now because of all the abortion laws that are happening. Getting sure. a little close. Get to a, getting a little fact. closer <laughs> to fact. A lot. Um, let's see. Uh, Handmaid's Tale um, and Barry. I really started binge watching Barry. Awesome. I like Barry a lot. That's I a great show. Really like Barry. Um, just really funny. It's like Dexter, but the, he's cooler. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't have like Asperger's. Like Dexter definitely had autism, and like nobody ever addressed it. He was just, a, just he was a super boring character, and Barry at least has some like interesting things yeah. about him. He's super conflicted. Barry's yeah. conflicted, and he talks about it. Yeah. Dexter was conflicted and had nothing to say yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I I really enjoy Barry, and we just cast Bill Hader in uh, in a film uh, on our last episode. So yeah. he's a bit party favorite, absolutely. I'm going to tell you what I've been watching. I've grown slightly weary of the of the franchise-style movies that everybody's putting out. So, like, we watch King Kong, and we watch X-Men, and those are the franchises that everybody's trying to jam down your throat all the time, except for MCU, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, and, and to follow that up, though, it is nice to see some more original films. So, recently I watched Swiss Army Man, 
with Daniel Radcliffe, where he plays, he actually plays a dead body. It, it comes alive in some ways, but uh, it, Interesting. It, it's a really cool sort of independent film. The other movie that I watch is The Lobster. And I've that movie is really good. Seen the lobster. <laughs> really Colin Farrell. I was like, this sucks so good. <laughs> yeah, as well. Said. Yeah, I was like, wow, it's a really good bad movie. The delivery from in that film is unbelievably good. It's, it's I mean, so, bad but good. Yeah, it's like super I'll, real. Yeah, yeah. and th- both of those films are coming out under the studio A twenty four. Okay. Which, okay. which I really have started to oh, appreciate. Oh, yeah, yeah, the A24, they do scary movies, too. Midsummer. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're they're kind of like the independent film house of this generation, and um, uh, we're, I think we should all be grateful that movie studios are still putting out films like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I think it's, uh, it's important for um, uh, more unorthodox plots, maybe not the safest plots, mm-hmm. to have some place to go. Brendan, what are you watching? I've been watching, I've been getting really into Umbrella Academy. With culture being so heavily impacted with with superhero movies right now, uh-huh. they're managing to stand out really well. I agree. You know, I love superhero movies. I love the I love superhero things, and I think it has a pretty fresh voice. So I've been really into Who's that. Who's your favorite movie. character on there? I I've been a really big fan of Klaus. Mm. I've never seen that actor before, and I think he does an incredible job with that kind of flamboyant, likable drug addict. Mm-hmm. And I love that he can see his his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really cool relationship. Awesome. Well, there you go, audience. If you uh, are interested in any of those, we recommend checking them out. We got HBO. We got uh, a lot of films that are on Netflix and plenty of things to keep up with if you're not watching Coming to America. Coming to America. (laughs) (laughs) This film opens up on the fictional African nation Zamunda, or as I like to call it, 80s Wakanda. (laughs) Another fictional place that we all want to go back to. (laughs) (laughs) And we're introduced to our main character, the crown prince Akeem Jaffer. And now Akeem is not like many royal people. He has grown really sick and tired of his pampered lifestyle. The royal penis is clean, your highness. It is his 21st birthday on the day that we open up to this film. And he is headed towards his wedding day to the arranged bride-to-be. Mm-hmm. I want to point out that one of my favorite things about this opening scene is that they did not scrimp at all on the animal budget. (laughs) They have an elephant or a giraffe in every single scene. No CGI. No CGI. Half of the budget was on zoo animals. Half of the budget and the other half was spent on people picking up the shit. (laughs) They assume that every time they cut, you forgot that it was in Africa, so they just made a giraffe walk by Oh, yeah, I'm in Africa. Oh! (laughs) Yeah, because that's what they do in Africa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can artistically tell when they're in New York because there are no zoo animals. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Prince Akeem is not particularly impressed with his bride-to-be. His betrothed is sort of this uh, subservient woman who shares only his opinions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And has no personal thoughts. And so he's feeling really put off by that. There is a very fine line between love and nausea. I understand, Father. But when I marry, I want the woman to love me for who I am, not because of what I am. So he tells his father that he doesn't want to marry his bride-to-be. And he instead wants to go to America. And, his, and what his father thinks he's going to do is just sort of sow his wild oats. Yeah, yeah so sow his royal oats. Sow his, his royal, royal oats. oats. Yes. But that's not what Akeem wants. Akeem teams up with his best friend, Simi, mm-hmm. played by Arsenio Hall, and he says, we're going to New York to find my wife. Mm-hmm. And where better to find a queen in New York than queens? <laughs> I really liked this part because it's not often that you can pinpoint in a movie why they wrote it. <laughs> like, the joke that they based the entire movie on. Queens. <laughs> you know, we could just make a movie about this. Yeah. <laughs> And I haven't mentioned this before, but Akeem is played by the very talented Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Murphy is going to appear relatively frequently throughout this film in different roles. And this was the first film where he portrayed many, many people. Mm-hmm. And the first film that he teamed up with the makeup artist that would follow him from those different film, oh, into cool. those different films, yeah. which is really cool. That's a good team up. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. They worked really well together. It really paid off. Yeah. Good morning, my neighbors! Hey, fuck you! Yes! Yes! Fuck you, too! So Akeem is living in squalor in Queens with his best friend, Simi. 
and they have to look for a job because that's what normal Americans do. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. Do you have any that requires disposal? He finds a job at McDowell's. It's a McDonald's <laughs> ripoff. <laughs> well, well established. Literally. In the film. They have a lot investigators, of They have investigators come to the McDowell's restaurant for McDonald's. Like, yeah. to take yeah. pictures. Yeah. Oh, we noted that they, they, got, they got a lot of mileage off of that McDonald's joke. We know. <laughs> Cleo McDowell is the owner of this fine establishment, and his daughter, Lisa, quickly becomes the apple in Akeem's eye when she displays to him that she has her own personal opinions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? The only problem with this is that Lisa has a pretty lazy and obnoxious boyfriend named Daryl Jinks. That's horrible. Jerry Carroll. I was going to say, <laughs> Daryl is the heir apparent to the soul glow fortune. <laughs> which is, it makes him the most powerful man in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Cleo, Cleo really values this about him. So over the course of the film, there are many scenes of Akeem just trying to win Lisa's heart. The, the old-fashioned way. Without displaying his wealth. Yes, exactly. He doesn't want to show yeah. her. He wants her to fall in love with him for him. And Akeem, in a struggle with Simi, who has grown very weary of living in this horrible apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming pretty clear that if he doesn't tell Lisa soon that he's a prince, she's going to find out one way or another. He has his own money. His yeah. face yeah. is literally on money. His, oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's going to find out. My favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes is when they're in the museum and his picture is on the wall as a, as a prince of Zamunda. What's wrong? Uh, nothing's wrong. <laughs> Everything's fine. Excuse me for a moment. Please. It's getting a little dicey there. Yeah. So what happens next is Daryl announces his engagement to Lisa without her approval or yeah, without yeah. her consent. Uh-huh. And that's when there is a real wedge driven between those two, and Akeem is able to slide into the DMs and get her. Yeah. <laughs> but trouble afoot, because King Jaffe has arrived in New York after Simi sent him a message saying that they were out of money. Through Western Union, by the way. That's right. Through Western Union. Yeah. Should I make it 400000 You think that would be enough? You are right. 500000 the king and the queen arrive in New York. In some of the best costumes, I think, in movie history. Well, yeah, and, and yeah. it was uh, nominated for an Academy Award. For oh, yeah, was right, for best costume design. When Cleo McDowell, father of Lisa, finds out that Akeem is actually a prince, he is overjoyed, and now he wants Lisa to marry Akeem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cleo learns nothing in this film. No. He <laughs> stays greedy. He has, yeah. He's just trying to raise McDowell's up. Yeah. <laughs> His character arc is not much of an arc. No. Well, now we're coming on to my favorite part, which is Lisa feels like she just can't marry Akeem because he's lied to her. So she runs off. He is left very sad. There's another scene where the queen and the king are speaking in a car and she challenges him to do away with the outdated traditions and put his son's happiness first. Mm-hmm. But Lisa has already fled the scene. Yeah. Akeem has done everything he can, and Lisa still says she doesn't want it. Yeah. Right. But fear not, audience, because literally five seconds later, <laughs> the conflict is resolved. And on Akeem's wedding day, his bride is unveiled, and there's Lisa. Yeah. Happily ever after. He also renounced his crown as Prince of Zamunda on he, the train. He said that he would, yeah. 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 But then at the end, he still keeps it. No, yeah, keeps yeah, it. she asked him to keep it. Yeah. Bren, you were, you were actually really happy with the fact that they, they jumped ahead to the Yeah, can I tell wedding. you why I really like this part? <laughs> can I tell you why? Yeah, I really liked how they Eddie were. Murphy knew that there was no guessing. No. Lisa was going to end up with him. We've seen this story a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy was like, I respect your time as the audience. Yeah. I'm out of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? She's in Zamunda. Yeah. <laughs> It's awfully considerate of him. It was very considerate of my time. It's like, I have no more characters I can play. Oh, man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. Fuck you! Fuck you! And fuck you! Who's next? You know, I I, I really personally thought this was an awesome movie, and and the fact that Eddie Murphy wrote it, I thought that this was a really strong film. And I love that he included so many references to other films. For example, he had... James Earl Jones delivers some lines that Darth Vader at would deliver 
in the Star Wars films. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. He also obviously had the uh, reference to trading places, the two homeless men that yeah, he gives yeah. the money to. Mortimer. Yeah. And, and Rudolph, right? Yeah, more, we're back, Mortimer. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some of my favorite parts in the film. What, yeah. what, what do you, would you say is your favorite part of the film? My favorite part of the film is when they go and they're looking for women in the bar. Oh, oh And yeah. it's just like all these different women and it's like... And the girl's like, we're into the group thing. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Arsenio's like, really? Like, yeah? And Eddie Murphy's just completely turned off. Their, yeah. yeah, their facial expressions yeah. change up. They switch. That was <laughs> and, a great thing. like, the one chick is like, I'm, I'm Joan of Arc. And she's like burning oh, yeah. her hand. <laughs> one of them, the one who Arsenio Hall plays? Yeah. That's such a good part. Like, Ooh, I want your friend too. And like, he spits. <laughs> but like, it's so like crappy jokes, like the spit take. And he's just like, it's so funny. Yeah, it is it's so, so funny. good. It's just so funny. It's funny that they decided to double down on the twins joke. Yeah, they weren't done with that Oh, they doubled yet. down, yeah. Two, two times going back because I saw when I was young, but like going back as an adult and watching it, and you're like, "Holy crap! Why did my mom let me watch this?" <laughs> like he like gets like jerked off or like sucked off in the tub in the beginning. It's like the world yeah, oh, yeah. is clean. Yeah, subtle. Yeah, I like when subtle. I like when he gets the over the pants hand job from <laughs> the love of his life's sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great part. But then I, I guess one of the one, one of the revelations. Later on in life, again, as an adult, I was like, those are the two voices of, like, Mufasa and the mom from Lion King. Damn it! Yeah. No! I was, I, yeah. That was the piece of trivia yeah. that I was going to ask you guys. Do oh, you God. know I had no other? idea. I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because, yes, they... Yeah. James Earl Jones and Madge Sinclair play king and queen on two separate occasions. Mm-hmm. And it's this movie and The Lion King. <laughs> yeah. And I was like... Wow, that is amazing! Yeah, I, I love that. That was the. I was going to ask you guys if you're. I wonder if you're going to be in the trip. next Lion King. Well, she's dead. Well, she's James. dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, I knew that I was. Oh fuck! I'm sorry. I'm no. leaving that part in. If she wasn't, I think she'd be happy that Beyonce's taking her role. Well, Beyonce's not. Beyonce's playing Nyla. Oh my bad. Yeah. We can leave that in too. <laughs> around the corner, man woke up, hit me in my chest, right? I fall on the ground, right? And I look up at Dr. Martin Luther King, I said, Dr. King! He said, oops, I thought you were somebody else. Speaking of important roles and important movies, like The Lion King and this movie, James, I want to ask you sort of a, a more personal question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure how to introduce this part, because... <laughs> so you're black, obvious, right? Yeah, I was like, I'm going to say, <laughs> James, you are. James, if you're taking the SAT... What do you fill out under the race <laughs> category before I ask you this next question? <laughs> Always Native American. Always. You get... As a Native American. Yeah, as a Native American, what makes this an important piece of black cinema? <laughs> you picked this movie because it was important to you in your childhood. Uh, it's, it's obviously hilarious and stands the test of time, but I think that many would argue that this is an important piece of black cinema. Mm-hmm. And can what about this movie makes it so? Um, like, um, the late 80s, early 90s, all through the 90s, a lot of the major uh, black films that were winning awards, like Boys in the Hood, like Men's Society... Uh, which were all real stories, and it really happened. Like, people do get murdered. There was a lot of drugs that were in flux into the black communities. Uh, but even though this was satire, and it had nothing to do with a, um, a white person. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> with, uh, with white people kind of, like, building up this black person to help him out. Like, even in trading places, like Mortimer and, and Dan Aykroyd had a lot to do with him becoming uh, Valentine, the uh-huh. stock trader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so to see that, even as a young child, even though I couldn't uh, conceptualize it in that way, it was cool to see him as a king and a prince, and not just like you know Ice Cube, Doughboy, and Boys in the Hood. Yeah, uh, there was no violence other than like Simi and him like fighting with the sticks and stuff. Mm-hmm. He had pet elephants and giraffes, and like that's pretty cool. Yeah, and they wore like very proper king attire royal attire that wasn't uh, very akin to like the prince of england necessarily like he had a lion's head as a scarf yeah and um you know so all of that was very important as far as like just being a positive reinforcement that we're all just not one way we're not a, a monolithic people like we're mm-hmm. we're all a good variety of people uh, so to see that and for it to be really funny and to have all these jokes and to have this person playing all these different roles and mm-hmm. 
the the barbershop uh, banter, uh, which was very important to me growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being a part of that and just like listen to these guys talk and not knowing what the hell they're talking about, but knowing <laughs> they're laughing and mm-hmm. you're laughing along with them. And to see that, like I had the same barber for first 19 years of my life. So to see that, that was very important to see just all of that uh, was very positive as far as like uh, Black Cinema for Eddie Murphy to write that movie. If I'm not mistaken, it was either that or Beverly Hills Cop, but it was he was the first black comedian to get a million dollars for a movie. Wow. But um, so that's all big time and very important. And especially for me, I went to college for journalism and writing and I had to study like cinema. So to see stuff like that and know that that was kind of a landmark movie for for black actors that's very important that is extremely well said yeah i, I think yeah, that very well put. it it does speak to not having to rely on some sort of job that is related to crime or that you're that you're being suppressed or they're already uh, powerful and royal and regal and i think that even uh, Liz sort of brings it up when she's saying when she comments on how he speaks and how 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 she he's so regal mm-hmm. already. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. well said. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. So that was that was like pretty intense. I'm like I'm sweating <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <dude. laughs> but it's, like, who's the white? There was only like one like white actor. It was the what's his name? Louis. Uh, Louis Anderson. Louis oh, Anderson. Yeah. He was like, I'm working on the burgers. Next is the fries. Next <laughs> at the register. That's but. that is where. Kanye got that lyric. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Look at his ass. This week he mopping floors. Next week is the fries. So- Now's the time to bring it back to, to Bit Party. Okay. Okay? All right. The bit parts that stole our hearts are going to become some of the most important roles in this film going forward. In, in pop culture. People have not People have not recognized the power of the characters that we are about to bring up. Recognize. James, you're a fan of Bit Party, so you know how this next part works. Mm-hmm. We're about to pitch some new movies, and we'll discuss a little bit, and we'll decide to go with one to fully explore and send that to the film studios in exchange for $4 million. All right. And uh, I think you know it's, it was in your contract. You're going to get a million dollars. We'll talk about it, spending it later, but Brendan and I will get a million and our brothers will put the rest. Who would like to go first to pitch their film? I'll go first. I'll go first. I got a quick one because this isn't a, a big character, but it's one I think leaves a lasting impact. Uh, my, my bit part character, the one that really stood out to me, was Imani Izzy, who is uh, Akeem's intended wife, the one he's, you know, it's his 21st birthday. He is uh, set to be married to her. And we don't see her for very long, but what we've learned is that she has been raised for her entire life just to be Akeem's wife and make him happy and not have, like, thoughts of her own, only want to do what he wants to do, like what he likes. Why she stood out to me was because the entire movie is pretty much about Akeem rejecting her and going with another woman. Yeah. What must that do to her mentally that the man that she was raised to please doesn't want her. There's the whole, like, back and forth of, like, oh, what's your favorite food? Whatever yours is. Like, uh, what do you like to do? Whatever you like to do. She has to learn about herself and, like, what she actually likes. And not just what, like, to like what Akeem likes. So I think she could break down a little bit and then build herself back up in kind of an eat, pray, love mm-hmm. tour around different countries. Whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, scenes where she's like calling Akeem, like, I'm at a restaurant, I don't know what to get. What, are you, what do you get? What do you eat? Yeah. <laughs> that's a great, My that's, that's a great pitch, friend. That's very Thank emotional. You. That's a coming of age sort of. I, I like that. Thank uh, you. Uh, I'm going to go next. It's going to be no surprise to everyone here that I was drawn to the Jewish character in the film. And I was in, especially impressed by Eddie Murphy's portrayal of, of Jewish people. <laughs> Very impressive. It was literally spot on, and I thought for a long time that it was just some Jewish man. Yeah. <laughs> aha. 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 I think that a movie exploring Saul's past 
would be worth looking into. And, and we've done this a lot in Bit Party, so I'm not sure if we're going to be able to go with it because we've done a ton of Jewish characters overcoming <laughs> the Nazis. But a World War II drama in which Saul is a bomber or an uh, uh, infantryman taking down Hitler and then going back and living in Queens, that would be a very beautiful story in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, that you would know. be good. We wouldn't be able to cast Eddie Murphy as a young... Jewish. Jewish man. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't shy away from casting another young black actor in that role. It's <laughs> a good idea. I, like, I think at one point, though, he, if we choose this one, he will have to go see a Rocky Marciano fight. Oh. Because he's... Yeah. Yeah. He said, what did he say? He said, uh, Rocky Marciano beat Joe Lewis's ass. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Rocky Marciano was good, but compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't shit. He beat Joe Lewis's ass. That's right, he did whoop Joe Lewis's ass. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. Okay, yeah, I like that. It's all. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so, James? so my turn, okay. James, your turn, yes. All right, damn. All right, mine's a little bit uh, more elaborate, I guess. I really am drawn to sexual chocolate. Uh, for those who don't know, it's sex- not this type of podcast. <laughs> yeah, not, it's not me. It's not me because I'm Native American. <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, but uh, but sexual chocolate was uh, the group that that performed uh, early on in the movie uh, at the community theater where they bombed. They, they didn't bomb with explosives. They, no, they bombed as far they, as they, they were really bad. Yeah, they were bad. But I want to make a movie where they do a comeback tour. Oh, oh okay, okay, yeah, wait okay. a minute now. Right, Come okay. back from what? <laughs> okay. Uh, ten years later, their performance is beckoned by the dying man, uh, Sweets. Uh, he's from the barbershop. Yeah, he's yeah, one of okay. the, the buddies in the barbershop. Sweets is one of the guys from the barbershop, and his last, one of his last dying wishes is to see sexual chocolate perform at the Apollo. Oh, wow. And I so like it's, it. So it's up to his son, who's now a music promoter, to get this... Um, good and terrible band <laughs> at the premier black uh, theater in Harlem in New York in the late 90s. That's my pitch. Wow. Yeah. You really yeah. picked up on some subtleties, which is that Sweets mm-hmm. is probably the only one in the audience that thinks sex- sexual chocolate is any good. Yeah. That boy good. That boy good. That boy good. <laughs> that boy good. So you're saying that he is on his deathbed and he's asking to see one more performance from his favorite band, which mm-hmm. is Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they want him to perform at the, the, the biggest stage for a black performer to perform at. Like, it's the Apollo. Like, James Brown, Al Green, uh, your favorite rapper, your favorite singer. They perform headline at the Apollo, and he wants this group who are good and terrible at a community theater <laughs> to perform at the Apollo before he dies. All right. This is amazing. You already have this incredible conflict worked out where this subpar band has to get to this premier venue. Mm-hmm. Brendan, I, now, not to be overly predictable, but we do like to go with the guest pitch. For one, it's always the best because yeah. we're not that great at pitching movies. <laughs> but... For two, he's done most of the work for us. You've already done all the work. There you go. I don't really have to do anything. There you go, man. There you go. That's what I'm here for. What do you think? I think we should go with that one. Yeah, no, I think that's a great one. And it's a new avenue for us. You know, we haven't really done the the band story. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. All right, yeah. I like that. All right. Get ready for a comeback, Randy Watson. (laughs) Get ready for a come up. Jackson Heights own Mr. Randy Watson. Yes, Randy Watson. <laughs> James, we're going to go forward with your pitch, and we feel very confident that the movie studios are going to appreciate this film here. I feel like $4 million is on its way to my pocket very soon. Mm-hmm. Why don't you set the stage? The, their original performance at the community theater was in 1988. Mm-hmm. So we're going to flash forward to the late 90s, 1998. Nice. Uh, we're going to see Queens is kind of still dirty, but they cleaned it up a little bit. The barbershop is still there, but Cuba Gooden Jr. 
who oh. was the kid in the chair. He now owns the shop. And that's another great piece of trivia, a little cameo yeah, there. Yeah, a little, little cameo by Cuba Gooden. He owns the shop right there. He's trying to keep it within the neighborhood because the rest of it is getting gentrified. Okay. Yeah, they gentrifying. They're they moving on in. And so we see the neighborhood, and uh, we see the chairs where they used to sit at. We see pictures on the wall, and we're just like, they see a picture of like them with a picture of like uh, them as a group, and then you see a picture of sex with chocolate. Oh, uh, cool. It's like autograph. So then you flash to the scene, and, uh, and Sweets is in the hospital. And we have his son by his bedside. His son is the, this, became this music promoter for the neighborhood. He's kind of a local guy, but he gets the guys to come into the neighborhood, do like clubs, uh, club performances. And nice. uh, now he has this big uh, opportunity to get somebody to perform at the Apollo, and he wants to dedicate it to his dad. Oh, because his dad, nice. his dad sees like you know he's, he's very proud of him. He's very proud of him. He, he was able to become this neighborhood almost like celebrity. Yeah. That's oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Now he's now yeah. he's like the he's like the big man on campus. Like people come up to just start singing randomly and stuff. And like he yeah. he knows Jay Z, but like <laughs> Jay Z's cousin's friend. Okay. Sister, so he knows people, but, but he's yeah. making it. But he's making it. I like the idea that he's but made he's it based it. off like finding local talent mm-hmm. because uh, sexual chocolate is local, like lack of talent. Yeah, local <laughs> lack of talent. So, so but but sweets always believed in sexual chocolate. <laughs> so so he asked me, he's like, Dad, you know, I got this big performance coming up. Is there anything, uh, anybody you like to see perform? I can, I can really try my best. I, I, you know, I got, I got, uh, I got James Brown. I might bring in for you. Scrolling I know, through. I really love James Brown. I could bring cool in, in the uh, game. I could bring in Cool in the Gang. <laughs> and we can get, we can get LL Cool J for you. We can get, uh, you want to listen to some DMX maybe? And he's like, you know, son, I saw this band ten years ago. Went with, with my friends and um, Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and the son just looks at him like, who? Sex. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. I just believed in them, and son, if you can just get them to perform the headline, the Apollo, <laughs> that would really, that would really make me uh, be proud man before I die. And so his son is like, man, you should probably just die then, <laughs> because because that's my career. Yeah, right that's there. my career. Like I can't just, but you know, yeah, putting his, his, his neck dad has sacrificed so much for me. He's like, let me go find this band that. That's good and terrible. Yeah. And that'd be the name of the movie, Good and Terrible. Good and Terrible. Good yeah, and I terrible. like it. Yeah, I love there that. There you go. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's where that comes from. Yeah. Be- before we move on, uh, I'm loving this. And, and what's, what's great is that Clint Smith, who played Sweets in the original, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. I say he continues on uh, as Sweets. Yeah, but perfect. I, we need to know who's going to play the son. What's my what's my guy's name? The the big guy. Uh, no, not the big guy. Uh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie from the Avengers. Anthony Mackie from the Avengers Falcon. Okay, uh, yeah. I think I think he could the be new the Captain son. America. <clears throat> new yeah. Captain America. Yeah, he has a weird episode on Black Mirror too. Trippy. Yeah, yeah that was an uncomfortable <laughs> uh, yeah. episode to watch with you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very <laughs> odd, man. That was very. But I think he could be the he could play the son. I think he ah, could be the that, son. he's good. Yeah. Uh, because you know he has musical experience in movies. He was mm-hmm. Cheddar Bob. No, mm-hmm. no, he wasn't Cheddar Bob. He was um, Green uh, from uh, Eight Mile in the in the rap battle. Eminem. No, M- yeah. Eminem's <laughs> <laughs> the rapper. Oh, Clarence. Clarence. Clarence, Clarence has Clarence. really nice parents. Yeah, Clarence. Yeah. A, Anthony okay, Mackie. Anthony Mackie. I also like him because he sometimes he can play that like buttoned up guy. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. he's like, I'm a professional now, Dad. This is going to be a televised performance mm-hmm. at the Apollo. It can't be headlined by sexual chocolate. Can't be on BET with sexual chocolate, man. But his dad did everything in the world to get him to where he is today. Mm-hmm. So off, off he goes to revitalize this very dead band mm-hmm. from Queens. Yeah. Well, yeah, he goes and uh, he has to go around Queens and kind of put them back together because, uh, you know, they're scattered all throughout Queens. So there, there's yeah. the conflict right yeah. there. The conflict is twofold in that he's got to round up this group of ragtag band members, mm-hmm. starting with Randy Watson. Yeah. yeah. Now, who would you say Randy Watson is going to be played by? I would say Randy Watson is uh, uh, Gerard Carmichael. Okay. Uh, he had a show called The Carmichael Show. I think it was on uh, a- NBC. 
But he actually reminds me of a young Eddie Murphy. He kind oh, of resembles Eddie Murphy. He has the little gap in his teeth. And I think he's just an overall just funny guy. And I've never seen the show. He has the, the right swagger for this. Oh, yeah. Because the best part about Brandy Watson is how he just like swaggers up to the stage in that fucking jumpsuit yeah. with the gut. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just, just see Gerard Carmichael. Uh, I, I can I can visualize him as you know the last person to kind of come on board because he thinks he's too famous for this shit. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Like, he's, like that. He's like, I got. I'm doing club appearances, and like you find out that he's doing like grocery store appearances, <laughs> like, <laughs> like malls, yeah, like mall malls, openings. like mall openings. He's like, I'm still holding on, like you know. Regardless, he went solo. Yeah, he went solo. Yeah, He was like, you know, I'm going solo. While he's waiting for Randy Watson to come around, because he'll go to him first and he'll he'll get denied. Mm -hmm. Then he starts to round up some of the other band members. And I think it would be kind of cool if the other band members were played by actual legitimate musical artists. Like like Ludacris is one guy. Oh, yeah. Bruno Mars is is another guy from the band back in Mm -hmm. the day. Like that that would be like great to see them play. I love when musical artists play like a, in a period piece. Mm-hmm. Uh sort of like in Luke Cage. Yeah. Where oh, yeah. he has like the the people that are doing their rehearsals are all famous artists. Yeah, I never realized that till like I rewatched it. I was like, "Oh, he's like a real rapper." Yeah. <laughs> that that's such a great yeah. component yeah. of that. And they're so like subtle about it. Yeah, very yeah. subtle, yeah. Yeah. So he'll be rounding up the other band members and so you'll have this like hodgepodge of of musical artists that are going to be behind Randy Watson. Behind Randy Watson, yeah. The one and <laughs> they're one. more talented than him. <laughs> and all of them have kind of like moved on with their lives and like they're all well put together and then Randy still wears like blue suits or like oh, ruffles. And like he his uh, Jerry Curl is kind of like balding. <laughs> <laughs> but he still got it. So but but you know. But yeah, but he he comes around Okay. He gets a new haircut. Here's the resolution now. Yeah, he, Hit he, me. he comes around and he gets the new haircut. Okay. He he goes to J. Crew, gets him a nice suit. Nice. And uh he does he they do a song together, but the surprise is that Bruno Mars actually wins the crowd over and then they, they kinda duel it out together. It's like a duet. Oh interesting. Uh, he's like sick of being yeah. in the background. He's he's sick of being in the background, but Randy lets down his his pride and ego for the betterment of this band. Wow, this took on a whole new and, message. And, and I love it. And he bears on and he bears on his band, and it's like the, the son's like biggest hit, and then dad ends up not dying. <laughs> he, <laughs> he lives does, forever. He, lives, <laughs> he, lives he like, is an eternal god. <laughs> what he, he what would be great then is if. He's watching it on the TV in his hospital room. Yeah. The final scene is cut to the band, big sexual chocolate on a bus. Mm-hmm. And who is their bus driver? The, Sweets. Yep, fucking that. <laughs> he, he didn't die. He recovers. He recovers from <laughs> he recovers. whatever he has. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't die, man. And, just, just gonna die. And this is what ends up being the son, Anthony Mackey's big musical yeah, break. Yeah, big, big break. And then you fast forward to present day and like... Now he has a picture of sexual chocolate in his office. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, that, that, is, that is incredible. That, I have just a little tear in my eye. <laughs> okay. that, was, uh, that was beautiful yeah, on huh? many, many levels. And, and you already have a name for the film. Yeah. We've, like we said, you did almost all the work for us, and, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I really do appreciate that. So deliver this, this n- title one more time. Good and Terrible. Good, Good and, and Terrible. Good and Terrible. Why are you in a clapping mood? I'd like to give a big round of applause to my band, Sexual Chocolate. Here's one thing, James. Before we move on, we do have a very important rule. Mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum has to be in this film in some capacity. So do you think you could find a way to fit him in? He's like uh, Stan Lee, huh? Yeah, he's like, the, he's he's, like our Stan Lee. He's our Stan Lee, Jeff yeah. Gold, what, what if he owns McDowell's? If he now owns McDowell's. He owns a McDowell's <laughs> franchise. Yeah, he owns a McDowell's <laughs> franchise. It's, it's yeah. expanded now. Yeah. And he's the owner of a McDowell's franchise. Oh, yeah. I like that. Like, like Cleo, Cleo got out of the game because it was too hot. Oh, yeah, okay. So he's in Africa it, now. He sold it off. Yeah, and he lives in Africa. Yeah, yeah, his daughter lives in Africa, so he has to move. He had to sell it out, so he sold it to Jeff Goldblum. Oh, I like that yeah. a lot. He sold it. I like that a lot. Yeah. If he could start singing at one point, like even if they're just ordering, he's like, I hear you're auditioning. Let me just like come out from behind this counter. That would be amazing. Because he loves to. He loves and, and then Anthony Mackie's like, oh, let me get a big McDowell, please. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> give me, where's my burger? Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely no way that this movie doesn't get picked up. Okay. So get ready to have 
one million dollars. Here is the thing, James. We found a loophole in the IRS. Okay. <laughs> if you spend the money as fast as possible, you don't get taxed. So we, we were worried that the million dollars wouldn't be a pure million, but this is a way to get it all. Okay. Of course, you lose it all automatically on something terribly frivolous, but okay. you have something to show for it, and they can't take any of your hard-earned right. money. Our accountant is pretty sure about this rule. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. We've done our research. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Our accountant is our friend, our mutual friend, Arthur. Okay. Arthur Alexander. <laughs> all right. He's sure. <laughs> and he's like 85% sure about this yeah. rule. And he, he was also a guest on Bit Party last season so he also knows what it's like to have a million dollars all right yeah. yeah so this is where he realized that this was a loophole okay i will go first to demonstrate how well you can spend your money okay <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene in coming to america where prince akeem played by eddie murphy he tells simi clean up the place referring to their apartment their horrible apartment that they're living in in queens and he leaves. And when he comes back, Simi has done the only thing that he knows how to do, which is to make everything extravagant. Okay. He's trying to bring back Lisa to show his terrible, poor man's apartment. And when he opens the door, there is Simi sitting in this gold-plated hot tub <laughs> with a very huge 24-inch TV <laughs> sitting there. And the whole place has been turned into this glamorous apartment. Well, I was very inspired by this in the apartment hot tub concept. Okay. <laughs> so I have my apartment here. Brendan and I live here. And I feel like the best thing to do with my million dollars is to install a hot tub here. All right. But I'm also influenced by a lot of other cool things that I see out there on the internet. And what I'd like <laughs> this to be is an infinity pool hot tub that goes out of my sliding glass door okay. onto the balcony and just sort of infinity pools off the side of my balcony. Okay. It sounds like a lot of that money would go to paying off, like, ordinances. Well, I think what's, a good yeah. point. most of the money is going to go to buying the apartment below <laughs> so that I can dig down below the, the floor. Because I want it to sit flush to the floor. As okay. Yeah. Where does infinity water go? No one knows. Science is like... Science doesn't, hasn't defined that yet. Okay. Yeah, I don't have no... It's a good point. We will look into that it's before a good we build. Yeah, yeah, I'll be sure to look into that. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure it... Regardless, some of the million will probably go into that research. Okay. But that is how I will spend my million dollars. Okay. Very good. Okay. Brendan, would you like to go next to give another example? I'll go next. Yeah, this is another option. What I'm going to do with my million is... I guess you could say kind of reenact this movie. I'm going to go on an extravagant vacation to Queens with Arsenio Hall. Wow. Mm -hmm. Is kind of my plan. He probably You're, needs it a little bit, too. I feel like a million dollars could buy you, like, a year supply of Arsenio Hall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I completely agree. So we're going to go. He's going to be my friend for however long that money lasts. Is he going to teach you how to fight with sticks? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Because he's inexplicably uh, Eddie Murphy's combat teacher in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't care about his combat experience. He will teach me how to fight with sticks and be my sparring partner. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, I, I, think, I think I got the hang of this. Though. Okay, let's hear it, <clears throat> Okay. All right, I'm ready. All right, here you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, with my million dollars, I'm going to buy bionic feet. Okay. Because this plantar fasciitis sucks. So I want to get like the same type of feet that um, like kind of Terminator-esque. Okay. Interesting. Wow. No, no. Since, since, we're, since we're in made up African nations, maybe I go to Wakanda. I was going to say that. Oh. Get some vibranium feet. Oh, you know, get some Get some vibranium feet. Uh, you know, because I, I need to run. Uh -huh. Yeah. I just, I just need to no, run. Definitely. Uh, but if they're out of vibranium by by any chance, you know, adamantium. Just, nah, I'm just gonna get Eddie Murphy to do stand up at my house. Uh, <laughs> just, just however much a million dollar gets me, I'm like, yo, just, just in my house, man. Just, man, that is really just come perform. That's a good really, idea. That's a really good idea. You know, actually, this is something that we wanted to ask you. Mm -hmm. When we first experienced Eddie Murphy 
For you, it, Brendan, it was in... It was Mulan. However... But we, our favorite role of his is his magnum opus as Donkey and Shrek. Uh, so that's our frame of reference okay. for Edward Murphy. Yeah, so so if Edward Murphy was in front of you today and he said, what do you, what do you remember me most for? Well... I was offended by the Mulan thing, but then you said the Donkey. I was like, "Wow, that was probably his best performance." <laughs> like as an actor, as just a straight up just acting, that was definitely his best performance. But I can go, I can go from Harlem Nights, which was Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, uh, mm-hmm. Red Fox, Charlie Murphy. Wow, all man. those were in that one movie. Yeah. Um, and but I'll say my favorite Eddie Murphy uh, movie is probably a. Uh, the either Trading Places or Beverly Hills Cop. Two. Nice. Memory. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. We yeah. were just saying that, like, we kind of knew him when he was already dad, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So it was cool to see this, like, oh, he was one of the biggest stars stars of the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, he arguably could have been uh, the biggest stand-up comedian of all time, but he kind of just dropped out. Yeah. When she started making movie money, there was no need to go back to stone stand-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who could fault it? Yeah, but yeah. this is just a different look at him, for yeah, sure. it was yeah, cool. Sure. Jeez, this is our third Eddie Murphy movie. He is <laughs> he's like a bit a legitimate bit party favorite. Yeah, we'll Mulan, oh, okay. Shrek, now coming to America. I mean, yeah. he is he is in the Hall of Fame. That's right, he can always be clay to me. I don't give a fuck what chain name to. He is clay. He clay to me. I say clay. There is a Coming to America 2 coming out. I'm not excited about that. <laughs> they, they're, they're basically saying they want to take, well, from, nobody really knows, but the rumors are they're just going to take the son or the daughter and make, like, the same thing, but, like, flip it and they... Uh... So he's learned nothing from his experience in Queens, <laughs> and he is putting his child through the same exact problem. Yeah, so, but I, if he's going to do it, I hope that he does it well, and I don't think it would be a money grab or anything, but... um. Fingers crossed, yeah. Fingers crossed, I'll probably still go see it just because. Like, we have, have to, to see it. Yeah. We're contractually to obligated yeah. to see another movie if it comes out about the movie that we pitch. Yeah, and yeah. if that's not good, the Shrek reboot is bound to be the best movie of whatever year it comes they're, out. They're going to reboot so it? So they're yeah. going to reboot it, and oh, he'll man. be there. <laughs> oh, is he going to be there? Oh, is he going to be Donkey? Don't oh, worry, James. God, Your childhood <laughs> hero is in good hands. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Brendan, with that, <laughs> there's nothing left to do. Sign us off. All right. For Bit Party and the Cotta Brothers, I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. I'm James Cotta. And uh, please make sure you go check out Good and Terrible coming to a theater near you pretty soon. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, check us out now on Spotify, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at BitPartyPod. If you'd like to send us an email, we're BitPartyPod at gmail.com. BitParty now has t-shirts available. Just go to Amazon and search Kata Brothers to grab yours now. This episode is produced by the very talented T. Coop. You can check out his music on Spotify or on his website. Just go to tcoopmia.com. That's T-C-O-O-P-M-I-A dot com. Tune in next time when we buy drugs from Chris R. Until then, we're the Cotta Brothers, and this has been Bit Party. Our ode to the bit parts that stole our hearts.